I would say the temperature got pretty hot under the collar for a lot of people in Philadelphia last night, from the Brewers to the Phillies to everyone in between. Now, this was the the cap. This was the the one that really that was sent at the water boiling over the pot, if you will. It was already boiling when well, this one poured over. Was Josh Hader picking up his eighth save of the season? Uh, Kyle Schwarber was up to bat. And Josh Hader was obviously doing this thing, putting in some work. And Angel Hernandez, the home plate umpire, he, uh, oof, I'm going to play it, then I'm going to read something to you. Here it comes. Cold strike three, and Schwarber, he's thrown out of the game, and he had zero issue with getting thrown out, making it very clear. You've missed him inside, outside, up, and down. All right, so... Call strike one, Segura. Looks back at Angel, now has a few words. So me and Gene Segura, this is a little earlier in the game. Yeah, this is all the bad calls that Angel Hernandez had. Gene Segura not happy either. Angel Hernandez was the lowest rated umpire on the day yesterday. <laughs> you think? Missing 19 calls for a correct percentage of 85.3%. He's got to go. He rang up six batters on pitches that were outside the zone and called a strike to Gene Segura, which I just played there, that missed inside, and Rowdy read this to me d- during the break, Gene Segura's called strike on the inside missed the plate by 6.47 inches. How did it not hit him? <laughs> if, it was, if it was Wilson Contreras, it would have beaten him in the ass. There was, there was a couple there um, where, yeah, it was a miss inside, and then the next pitch was the same spot, but the batter turned, and it was called a ball. I think he gave I think he gave Angel Hernandez that is. Yeah. Inside, outside and high. He also All gave down. Game. He also gave down. There was I, a there was a uh it was the the string of strikeouts where every half inning ended in a yeah, oh my outside God. strikeout and uh like the, the Phillies the Philly or yeah, Kutch and then the Phillies guy uh both were inside low. Yeah. And it was like, what is, what is going well, on? Well, Kutch here? just stood there forever staring at Angel Hernandez. Like, are you serious, dude? Really? Uh, what are you going to say, Rowdy? Well, the one the one spot where it seemed like he wasn't consistently giving to some giving it to the pitcher was low. Because that's where it normally, like, you were holding your breath, like, wondering when's the next time he was going to call it. But, yeah, he missed... All over. I can't wait for those official MLB scorecards, umpire scorecards to come out because this was just the umpire auditor that you read off. So this is like an independent like dude kind of doing it. I can't wait for the real big MLB scorecards to come out to see just how bad it was because I said when I came in here this morning talking to you, I go, he missed at least 20 pitches. Now, independent auditor says 19. 19. I can't wait to see the actual one. He was so awful. He was terrible. And, and he was terrible not only on he was Sunday consistently night. consistently terrible. He was terrible on Friday night. So if you remember Friday night, the Milwaukee Brewers leading almost that entire game, and then they have the just blow-up inning in the eighth on Friday night where Ashby was in pitching and everything that could go wrong went wrong. It's like he walked a batter, even though it probably should have been a strikeout, but that's a different umpire. That umpire was awful too. And in those scorecards, it came back Friday nights, home plate umpire benefited the Phillies by almost one full run. And you could clearly see it. It was like, it looked like Ashby struck a guy out, 
turns into a walk. Then you get one where it's like an excuse me swing where it's like a Texas leaguer barely makes to the outfield, but it dumps in and then another one dumps in and then one guy finally gets a big hit and all of a sudden they scored, what was it? Four runs in the eighth inning or whatever to win, to come back and win that game. Mm -hmm. So that was frustrating. But in that game, that was where I believe it was Willie Adamas was on the base paths and he slid in at second base and they said that he quote unquote or no, it was, it was McCutcheon that was on the base paths. Willie Adamas hit the baseball to shortstop and they said that uh, McCutcheon slid in. Yeah. 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 That's been like a hard, good slide for like, if they say it started in 1870, that's been a good slide for like 140 years. <laughs> but all of a sudden, since Buster Posey got chopped down at home plate and they changed all those stupid rules, you now can't even play hard. But Cutchin didn't take the guy out. He literally slid at him just to get in his way. And now all of a sudden, they, the stupid rule where it's like Adamus was clearly still going to be safe whether he... Yeah was in his way or not, if he slid or not. And now you called uh, McCutcheon out for the slide and you're going to call Adams. Those rules suck. And baseball wonders why they can't get a good product. And then you wonder why people don't want to watch is when you have these idiot umpires that don't even know what a strike is. It was tough for Angel Hernandez mm-hmm. last night. Uh, so tough. So Kyle Schwarber, you heard it just a little bit ago, the freak out from Schwarber, really letting Angel Hernandez know what he thought. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon earlier in the game didn't go to the lengths of Schwarber, but Kutch really was like standing there at, play, at the home plate after he got rung up. He was like, are you serious, dude? And then he kept chirping at Hernandez a little bit. After the game, though, Andrew McCutcheon uh, caught up with the broadcast, and he was talking about Kyle Schwarber in the freakout, essentially saying, well, take a listen. Here's Andrew McCutcheon talking after the game, saying just how poor Angel Hernandez, home plate umpire, was. Phils and the crew put a cap on the Major League Week, and now Andrew McCutcheon is here on Sports Center to put a cap on the cap. Andrew McCutcheon, uh, I didn't want to get to this right away, but I feel like Kyle Schwarber brought it to the front. Uh, do you feel like he was speaking for everybody in that game uh, with his little fit after striking out there in the ninth? Yeah, I think fans included on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we're all watching the game. <laughs> we're out here playing it. So uh, the game is already hard as is. So, uh, you know, when it, when it comes to games like this, uh, you know, you just try and stay within yourself, woo-saw as much as possible and get the job done. But at the end of the day, we just got to be better, man. It seems like that would be a difficult situation. You're disciplined. You know what a strike looks like. How do you go about that as a lineup dealing when you know that perhaps the strike zone is larger than it should be? At the end of the day, uh, you got to be ready for your pitch. Uh, you know, especially uh, that, that first strike, uh, very seldomly are you going to get pitches all three out of the zone. So you got to wait for that one and don't miss it, you know, when it comes to the games like tonight. So, um, you know, we, we, we knew what we were going to get going into the game. So, um, you know, uh, you just got to battle. You get battle as much as possible. You managed to get your. So there's a little Andrew McCutcheon. We, <laughs> Schwarber speaking for the Brewers, the Phillies, and all of America watching. Yeah, and like we were saying, the umpiring in this series for two out of three games was terrible. The Brewers end up going one and one in those two games. 
But what's really lost in all the minutia of the bad umpiring was the fact that Eric Lauer threw yet another really good game for the Brewers. Yeah, he struck out 13. What, the first left-handed pitcher to strike out that many for the Brewers since Teddy Higuera? Yeah. And then on top of that, he's like, what, the third Brewers pitcher to have at least 13 strikeouts in a game, dating back to Corbin Burns did it twice, and Freddie Peralta in 2018, where he had that uh, Mother's Day magic, mm-hmm. where it was one of his was it his first start or one of his first starts in the yeah, big was, leagues. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. first start. Now, I have some stuff which is probably the funniest thing ever about this entire Angel Hernandez situation. Everyone bitches about Angel Hernandez. We saw him make a horrible call in the field on Friday. We saw him. That honestly might have been the worst umped game I've ever seen. And that says something because there's been some bad ones. Oh, yeah. That might have been the worst umped game of all time. I want to see the scorecard. It'll come out later today, probably closer to the end of the show. But this is the richest thing you'll hear today. Angel Hernandez, who was god awful all weekend. Arguably the worst performance of the year and of all time. He has the nerve to sue Major League Baseball for racial discrimination. Oh, I remember that from last year. Because he wasn't given a playoff game. Yeah. Sir, you weren't given a playoff game because you were Hispanic. You were not given one because you absolutely suck ass at what your job is. You're terrible. I mean, case in point, just last night. Or the whole series. I remember that Rowdy. He tried to sue Major League Baseball, and then it went to. I don't know if it made it to the official court. But How they rich threw is it that? Out. Some like, guy. Like, that, no, this is not happening. Imagine, imagine having someone in your company if they're like a salesperson who never sells anything, and then the boss goes, "Dude, you're awful." When you come and ask for a raise, you're lucky that I still employ you. Yeah, you're like borderline. I should fire you right now. The, the freaking nerve and gall. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that from last year. M- more so, he's protected from the umpires' union. What is, what is the umpires' union? See, that's doing? my biggest thing with, like, unions. When you hear about unions these days, they literally protect the worst employees. Mm-hmm. They never do stuff for the actual employees that are there busting their ass doing doing something right. He's it's been, always for the worst freaking ones that should have been kicked to the side of the road a decade ago. Angel mm-hmm. Hernandez was a big league umpire uh, starting in 1993. Might be time to go, bud. And now, yeah, uh, he did lose his lawsuit. Yeah, he lost discrimination yeah. against Major League Baseball. But they're like, because he's terrible. Like, think about that. He has the nerve to try and sue Major League Baseball for discrimination because they didn't allow him to work a playoff game. You can't even nail down a regular season game. Well, last night yeah. was national TV for all of America to watch. America's pastime, and on the national stage, Angel Hernandez proceeded to look like the clown that he is when it comes to doing his job. And then even Major League Baseball you, games. you played that video clip of the Philly fan that I sent you screaming about how you're terrible, Angel Hernandez, and I hate you. Yep. Let me uh, get that outside. Outside he smirks of, in his car as yeah. he drives away, almost he, like he knows he's that bad. He's, <laughs> he's, he, you could you could see during the game he was smirking during the game. He knew he was making bad calls. He's legit trying to get robo umps all because Angel he's pissed Hernandez, off. You stink, and I don't like you. And we say no, despite how bad Angel Hernandez is. I still say no to the robo umps. Yes. No to our robot overlords. Don't take the passion, the human element out of the game. No. To uh, all I had to say is I sh- I shoveled off a tweet last night at about fourth or fifth inning, 
if I was a part of that game, either as a manager, a player, I would have been in the showers early. There's no way I could have contained myself until the ninth inning and the second to last out of the game like Carl Schwarber did. I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Kyle Schwarber just went way up my list of non-Brewer favorite players because that was so overdue. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, I thought Andrew McCutcheon wanted to freak I'm out. I'm disappointed in Girardi for not getting wrong either. He just had a few, like, words that maybe got a little it's bit like, hey, Angel, animated. Like, that wasn't right, man. Come on. Dude, go, go get run out of this. Who wants to still be at this game when you're losing by one and this has been the umpiring? Terrible. <laughs> we'll come back and we'll talk more about it. And the yep. funniest yep. thing yep. is yep. Ben and I had that two out of three bet. He was pretty loud on Friday when the Phillies came back and won on a really garbage eighth inning where the call, everything went Phillies way on those bounces. A lot of excuse me hits and swings and pitches. But regardless, the funniest thing ever was if Angel Hernandez would have been this bad and the, but it was one sided for the Brewers. I would have kind of. I would have still laughed because I won, but I would have been like, yeah, dude, that was awful. Like that was, he was awful for both teams. Everyone hated him. He was the most hated man in America last night. He was, he was the number one trending thing in sports on a day that you had NBA playoff games. Yeah. It's funny because even before the game started, the announcer was like, well, here comes the booze for Angel Hernandez. Let them know how they feel. I was like, and I'm like, yes, we're in for it now, baby. Let's Mm -hmm. go. No to robo umps. I love the human element, even like if you have robo umps, you take away some passion of the game. You take away the human element of the game. We're never having topics like this. We're not having Kyle Schwarber freak out. We're not having throw his bat down. We're not having him getting tossed from the game. We're not having Andrew McCutcheon over after the game well, saying they, with the, that is everyone in America watching Andrew Hernandez. I love the passion. They even interviewed Bryce Harper for like three or four innings. And he was saying how, and this is a guy that gets extremely animated at people, especially earlier in his career when umpires missed calls or rung him up on calls that were questionable, yeah. he'd freak out, slam the helmet down, slam the bat down and get in their face and get rung from the game. That same guy said to you on ESPN Sunday night baseball broadcast, I still like the human element. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll get into robo umps coming up. Uh, let's go to the phone squid. Good morning. Who do we got? Tommy. Hey, Tommy. What's up, brother? Well, we got robo um we got robo guys doing the radio today, so what the hell? You know, why not robo who's, who's a robo doing the... Oh, I thought it was you. No. It's Never, Tommy. Oh, Tommy, by the way, I got to get caught up in those emails you sent me yesterday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that today, BTW. Yeah, the uh, do the second one, and if you want, if you don't have time, skip to like the... Whatever, you got it. 35 minutes. It's amazing. The good, the off-air <laughs> conversations. Tommy, what's happening, brother? Yeah, you know, it's like, I'm glad we're winning, but I still think they got to start thinking about moving the pitching rubber back a couple of feet or something, because... I think it's the miles per hour thing is keeping the batting averages so stinking low. And, it, you know, they changed the ball the other a year or two ago, so it's they're not hitting them so far. Which yeah, I they're talking about the, on the broadcast last night how the balls just doesn't have any pop in it. I, I don't mind them slowing the ball down a little bit, but I think the pitchers have just evolved to the point where, you know, Yelich is under 200. Oof. I think we got one guy. McCutcheon's our best at, like, I don't know, 260 or something, but everybody else is in the low 200s. I mean, that's stupid, you know. Pitching has just evolved, that's all. Hey, Tommy, I, I thought of you, and so did a couple of our listeners. We're in a DM group, uh, you know, talking, and how you guys, uh, how it got done yesterday with the Brewers winning was absolutely incredible, Tommy. We all thought of you. It was a, bl- you. It was a bloop hit from Jace Peterson 
Then Peterson running on a 2-1 pitch, goes the first to third on a McCutcheon hit, and then Yelly a sack fly in the ninth. Small ball, wet dream time. Yeah, but just in general, Tom, I think every single run the Brewers scored over the weekend in Philly outside of the Hunter Renfro home run was all what someone would consider small ball. Yeah, and the other they had that double steal the other day where uh, I think my understanding, I didn't see it, was Yelly fake took he was going to second, and then they threw, and the yeah. guy went through from home. I mean, that was awesome. <laughs> Tommy, you're awesome, brother. Happy Monday, my friend. Rowdy just hit me with some uh, stats when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks and their playoff run, first-round series against the Chicago Bulls. Obviously, the deer took that loss game, too, and it uh, woke something up in them. Chris Middleton went down, and then the Bucks started to score Ingwise up. Yeah, so the first two games that Chris Middleton played in for the Milwaukee Bucks, the series was one to one. Bucks overall through those two games were plus three. Then obviously he goes down. They distribute the minutes more to some Bobby Portis play, Bobby. and obviously Grayson Allen getting a lot more run and touches. The Bucks post Chris Middleton injury, the next two games two and zero and plus fifty four. Are the Milwaukee Bucks better without Chris Middleton? My God. Well, Rowdy, with Chris Middleton, Bucks win game one, 93 to 86. Then with Chris Middleton, Bucks lose 114 to 110. Then without Chris Middleton, Bucks spank the living hell like a redheaded stepchild out of the Bulls. First game at the United Center, game three, 111 to 81. Woo wee! And then yesterday afternoon, we saw it. A nice little uh, matinee, a little afternoon affair. Bucks again spanked the living hell out of the Chicago Bulls at the United Center at 119-95. Grayson Allen. No Chris Middleton rowdy. Ball gets distributed more. And all of a sudden, it starts going into hoop more. Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen. My God. Who would have thought it would be Grayson Allen to be the hero now the past two games? I mean, Giannis has been sick. Drew Holiday has been looking nice, too. But Grayson Allen and Bobby Portis, uh, the question does what you just said, Rowdy. Are the Bucks better without Chris Middleton? Uh, I'll answer this question being the dubbed, a truther. the dubbed Chris Middleton hater. But what do you call yourself? I'm Chris Middleton truther. Mm-hmm. When Chris Middleton <laughs> plays well, which is when, you know, he's making baskets, he's, you know, pulling up with those jumpers, hitting shots, he's playing solid defense. Obviously, he's an all-star. He's a good player. Yeah. But when Chris Middleton is off, he's not an all-star or a good player. Remember, like, the longest discussion ever about Chris Middleton was like, hey, is Chris Middleton really a number two? Yep. Yep. (laughs) And then, like, Towards the end, before he really signed that extension, like the year or two before, he like started coming in on his own, like being more of like that serious all star candidate. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Yeah, Chris Middleton is a two. He's not a good two, but he's officially a two. But he's a two. He's a low level two. Man, though, like when he cannot hit shots it's and tough. he continuously plays like ISO basketball and pulls up and misses, like when he had what thirteen points." in one of those games and he wasn't shooting the ball well before he got hurt. He had like, what was it? 18 in game two before he left with an injury. And majority of those were in the third quarter. Yeah. But when he's not shooting the ball well, 
it, the ball doesn't touch other hands, AKA like the Grayson Allens or the Bobby Portis's or even the Brooke Lopez's of the world because they play through Chris Middleton. Yep. Yeah. He's the now, number two. It makes sense that you're going to do that with Giannis. Cause he's, if he's not the best two way player in the NBA, he's got to be in the top three. Yeah. It makes sense that you got to do that. But when you go to that quote unquote number two to Chris Middleton, if some nights he's not getting it done and he's like, I don't know, like four for 20 shooting that that just doesn't cut it a bad time. And Grayson Allen has showed you in two games. He can shoot the ball. Well, I mean, he, well, really, he showed you all year that he could shoot the ball pretty well. No, He's just getting more minutes to show you more. Yeah. Bobby Portis is showing you he's an energy guy that when given the opportunity can make baskets too. And none of those guys are guys that need volume. Like Chris Middleton normally gets volume all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think to answer that question, he's, they're definitely a better team when Chris Middleton's not on out on the court than when he's playing horribly. Yeah. I, I do still think they're obviously better when they With have Chris an all-star Middle- yeah, caliber player playing well. But right now it's like they've opened up, they're loose, they're playing easy. You know, Grayson Allen, who's getting more minutes, 18 of 24 from the field and 11 for 14 on three-pointers over the last two games. And, and Middleton didn't play well in those first two games. He literally, nope. out of the first, what, seven quarters that he played in roughly in those first two games, he played in one of them where he played well. Yeah, that was a third quarter before he got hurt. In game exactly. Two. Yeah. And man, they absolutely blitzed the bulls Oof. over the weekend. Like none of those games, Pick your drawers up. Yeah, Chicago. Game three and game four, both in Chicago. That was the funniest thing throttled, that I saw throttled on Twitter. It was like, Hey, the or the Bulls stole a game in Milwaukee. Now, if they can win one at home, they're in front of their home crowd. This will really be a series. Remember, we were pumping the brakes on Friday, saying we're still not worried. The Bucks are clearly the better team than the Bulls. Wow, those two games weren't even competitive. No, they just spanked the living hell out of them. Just corporal punishment, Rowdy. Oh my God. They just spanked them. Plus 54 in in those two games. In front of their own home crowd. Just slapped them. All right, Razor's Edge coming up. Rowdy went three and two. Was pretty funny, though, seeing some of those fans in Chicago starting to boo the Bulls or get upset. Even just three nights earlier, they thought that they were going to come to Chicago and that they were really going to make this a series. How about Zach Levine trying to take on uh, Bobby Portis, too? Bobby Portis tweeted about it. He's like, I'm just trying to get my arm back. I got teed up for it. I think it was Hubie Brown. Who is the the old Memphis Grizzly coach? Yeah. Who is doing the the play by play in the game, the color commentary? He even said, because at first he thought that that was Bobby Portis, and he goes, "Ah, I was a little like a little rough going with like the how he kind of like came down for that block." Yeah. Zach Levine just grabbed his arm. But then he goes, "But yeah, then you see he's grabbing Bobby Portis' arm. He can't do anything." And then that's literally what Bobby Portis tweeted. Yeah, they'd be separated in the closing minutes after they got tangled in a heated exchange. They both got teed up. Uh, Bobby Portis tweeted about it, (laughs) saying, "Trying to get my handbag, arm bag, but I got teed up for this." Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Who do we got? Oh, you were right. You were right there. I said good morning to you. I heard the phone, and then you hung up. Unbelievable. You were right there. Yep. Game, uh, what was that? Game five, going to be Wednesday night. The t- Time TBD still, Rowdy. They have not released a time yet for Wednesday night. I would assume probably like, well, hell, last time I was in Milwaukee, it was at 830. But that was that last Wednesday? It was 830? It's the worst. Well, why? Couldn't tell you. 8.30, I would assume, but we'll see how the NBA board uh, shakes out. Razor's Edge upcoming. Rowdy, 
three and two, another winning week. And the only reason you fell on Friday was because of, I, I guess you could say because Grayson Allen got hot, right? Because Brooke Lopez, you had a well, yeah. If you watched, if you watched the regular season games where Brooke Lopez was was playing against the Bulls, they like to play through Brooke Lopez, and it was very successful. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the first game in which they played through him in the first half, and he was scoring, and him and Vukovic were going at it. Then all of a sudden, Middleton goes down. And they definitely, the I mean, the Bucks 100% switched up what they were doing. They went heavy Bobby Portis. Grayson Allen got a lot more run, which made more sense due to the fact that he plays closer to the same position as uh, Chris Middleton. But yeah, Bobby Portis got a ton more run. Then Grayson Allen did not miss. Yeah, it was inflated. And Bobby Portis played really well, too. So there wasn't, there just wasn't that same rotation yeah. or the same amount of shot volume that Brooke Lopez had been getting prior took the L there, but already had a a winning week wrapped up three and two. All right, let's try it again. Uh, Line three. Good morning. Hey, good morning guys. Steve. What's up, dude. Hey, Hey Roddy morning, Steve. Uh, you know, I'm not sure the Suns make it through that series with the Pelicans. Um, with, with Booker hurt, they're, they're a completely different team. Did you watch that game last night, Steve? Yes. Yes. CP three was frustrated. He was flustered. He, he was, and I saw him uh, 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 interview with him after the game saying, you know, is this the old NBA or today's NBA? I got to figure out which one it is because they were getting really, really physical, which is a segue to why I really like the Bucks. The Bucks' success is really been on their defense. They've frustrated the hell out of the Bulls yeah. since that second game. And credit to, to Bo, uh, Budenholzer, Coach Bud, and, and his staff. They made the adjustments. I mean, they they have no facilitator, first of all, without ball in there, and they're just frustrated. That's that's really what's setting everything up. Yeah. Um, they, Steve, are the Bucks taken, are the Bucks better without Middleton? No, I would say not. That being said, though, the Bucks <laughs> it's a credit to their bench. I mean, I really have come to learn and like Grayson Allen. He's he's in he's he's Brad Davidson. Do you, you forgive know? him? Do you do you welcome him now with open arms, Steve? Well, yes, um, and I, I think his teammates respect him, and his teammates, the, the guys playing know how good somebody is, yeah. and they you can tell they believe in him. Dude, how funny uh, is it that they just boo him relentlessly, his teammates yeah. do? They just boo well, him. He's, and he's one, of the, he's one of the guys, and, you know, sometimes it takes getting in the, in, in yeah. the right fit in the jigsaw puzzle with the Bucks. and he is, um, I thought when, when Dante went, that was a loss, but, I mean, Horst knows what the heck he's doing. Oh, he is phenomenal uh, as a GM. He is making that. I never would have dreamed. When they picked him up, I thought, ah, he's just a guy that they want. Same. That's you what know, I thought. Uh, light up right the bench. He, he's better than, than DiVincenzo for them. DiVincenzo, you couldn't count on him to hit that outside no, shot. No, no. And so he, so they bucks, even though they won the championship, they were able to improve the talent on that roster. They signed Portis. You know, there's a the thought that he wasn't worth the money. I mean, it's it's the Bucks have a bench, a solid bench. Are they better with Middleton? No, Middleton won. Middleton was big last year in the playoffs against Phoenix. Yeah, and don't yeah. have a short memory on that. He was key, uh, but they don't have to rely on him. That shows you how good a team the Bucks are. I mean, look at the Suns lose a Booker, and they're yep. they're they're struggling to win that series. The Bucks lose a guy like Middleton. I thought it would hurt him more than it has. That's because the bench has rallied around his has really picked yeah. him up. So. Steve, um, you got to hit this break, my man. Good stuff. I'll have the Grayson right. Allen jersey in the mail for you, okay, buddy? It's, that sounds like a plan. I right, see, you, Steve. Steve. See you, Steve. Bye.
Forgive, but don't forget, Ebo. Do you welcome Grayson Allen now with arms wide open? Grayson Allen. From once hated across America for the Duke Blue Devils and Wisconsin Badger fans to now rejoiced by the state of Wisconsin? I have to ask. Grayson Allen, do you now accept him with arms wide open? Grayson Allen over the weekend, in the absence of Chris Middleton, just throttling the Chicago Bulls. For two games, Grayson Allen set his career high for scoring in a playoff game. He put up 22 in game three, couldn't miss. And then yesterday, dropped 27. He went six for seven on three-pointers, becoming the first Milwaukee player to hit at least five three-pointers in back-to-back playoff games. Do you now accept him with this? Grayson Allen is he in the circle of trust? Is he in the is he in the nest? Well, you Grayson remember, Allen. You remember when the the Bucks signed him, and we had like this, you know, highly contested. Are you still pissed at Grayson Allen, or have you accepted it? Are you? We had like almost this exact type conversation when they signed him, and. I think we both fell in the same category. It's like, you know what? I'm still more of like Justice Winslow touched it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Grayson Allen can be a D-bag and do things, but now he's on your team. You know that he plays that hard. That he's our D-bag. And it made the Bucks a better team yeah. because they needed another guy that could score. Yeah. And when one of, the, one of the main scorers for your team, a.k.a. Chris Middleton, your number two, goes down, you needed some scoring and... Man, did Grayson Allen just step up. I mean, 22 in game three and then 27 yesterday in game four. My man, Grayson Allen. Oh, my God. And here's the thing. Grayson Allen is no stranger to getting booed. Grayson Allen, if you saw it yesterday in the broadcast, his own teammates started to boo him because they've taken. Now, it started with Alex Caruso. Uh, He was the reason Grayson Allen, why Caruso broke his wrist. Early in the season, Caruso now back. So Chicago Bulls fans already hate him. The Bulls hate him. Uh, then when they met again, they were trying to elbow Grayson in the face. Like, it's been a whole thing all season. Grayson Allen getting booed relentlessly at the United Center. And now his own teammates, the Milwaukee Bucks, are joining in and booing Grayson Allen nonstop. Doesn't matter where he is, what he's doing, they're always in booing him. Take a listen to Grayson Allen. Walk on the bus, boo. In the hotel, boo. About to watch film, boo. It's uh, all the time. Wes probably does it the most. He thinks it's the funniest. So, I mean, this there's many shades there. Uh, so, <laughs> everywhere he goes and everything he does, his own teammates boo him nonstop. No, they have so much fun doing it. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think it's honestly hilarious. Uh, they kind of have turned it into a fun thing. It, it, it makes hearing it out there during the game a lot easier, too, because they think it's so funny. Rowdy, he was hitting those threes yesterday, and the whole bench for the Bucks, boo, boo. Drew Holiday went on as such as to say, and I'll get comments coming to him momentarily, that when they get back to Wednesday at the Pfizer Forum, that Milwaukee fans, the whole arena should boo him. 
<laughs> I did see some people tweeting at Grayson Allen saying, should we boo you at the Pfizer? Yeah. But I mean, Grayson Allen, since they brought him in this year, he's done exactly what the Bucks have wanted out of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy that comes off the bench. He can score, still plays tough defense. You know, you're going to get hustle from him. But I mean, look at his numbers. He averaged over 11 points a game in the regular season coming off the bench. He shot the three ball at almost 41%. He makes his free throws. He's over 86% from the line. I mean, that's exactly what they brought in, especially what are they? I think they're only paying him like four ish million dollars yeah, this year. It's like, it's like hey, peanuts. It was a hell of a deal by John horse, bringing He's him incredible. in. John He's horse. played extremely well. And now that Chris Middleton is out, you needed some scoring him and Bobby Portis have stepped up. Yeah. Uh, Drew Holiday talks on the booing of Grayson Allen, how it started. Honestly, I think it was, I think we were booing behind the scenes maybe that, that first time we played Chicago at home. They were booing him like crazy out there. But, you know, in practice and stuff like that, we boo him and, <laughs> and we kind of uh, make a joke out of it. But when we booed him during the game and, and he really started hooping, man, just <laughs> uh, I think we just stuck with it. And one more Holiday says they're going to keep booing the hell out of Grayson Allen. I think it's more fun booing Grayson. <laughs> Obviously, I think it started off just the fans booing him, but it—I don't know. It he'd be hooping when 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 we boo him, so uh, maybe maybe it means something to him, uh, just some form of support. So I'm still gonna be booing the hell out of him. I can't wait to see Wednesday night what happens to Grayson Allen when he touched the ball from the Bucks faithful. If they boo him or not, you have to. The dude's been in fuego getting booed. What a Monday, man. I would personally, first of all, like to thank Angel Hernandez for his display of ineptitude on a national stage last night, Brewers Phillies. I would like to personally, I want to shake your hand. I want to shake your hand. I would love to shake his hand and tell him thank you for giving us a treasure trove of topics, D-bag nominees, and everything in between, because my God, Rowdy, what a way to start a Monday than getting after what everyone has the, in their crosshairs, umps, and specifically Angel Hernandez. You have no idea wow. how bad of a mood or pissed off I would have been last night if the Brewers ended up losing that game. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. But instead, <laughs> we reigned supreme, won the series. Like, now you can say... Ha ha, he was awful. But if you're on the losing end of that game, Ben Kenny, you're oh. out for blood. Excuse me. Uh, ben did not seem like he was out for blood this morning. Well, he was. Uh, he wanted to nominate Joe Girardi. <laughs> Joe Girardi for, here we go. This is what I want to do here. That's what I want to do to Angel Hernandez. I just want to shake his hand. Uh, Rowdy, I actually have a, so Angel Hernandez, and we're going to get into, uh, Booing, but when it comes to a different entity for the Milwaukee Bucks, if we have forgiven this man. But before we get into that, I did have an Angel Hernandez story. So I tweeted last night uh, that I do not want robo-umps. Please, for the love of God, if you want to bring in robo-umps to Major League Baseball, I swear the only thing that you find uh, joy in life is cold, meaningless, nothing. You love staring and yelling into the abyss and have no passion and nothing in life makes you happy. That's why you want to bring in robo-umps. Why would you want to take out the human element, the passion of the game, things that give you something to talk about at the water cooler, moments like last night, the bat slam, the freak out, the outrage across the World Wide Web. Angel Hernandez is 10 times better than having a robo-ump for entertainment value alone. Don't you ever 
bring in robo-umps to Major League Baseball. Terrible. In fact, you said it right, Rowdy. Bryce Harper, uh, when the some of the meaningless stuff that he was talking about those three innings on the national broadcast, he did say one thing that I liked, and that he does not want robo-umps either, right? What was Bryce Harper saying? Yeah, basically that he still loves the human element. And yeah, they need to be better, but uh, that's what makes baseball special in its own way. Well, also they've they've used robo umps in was it fall fall leagues and in some of the other minor league uh, systems, mm-hmm. and they haven't had a ton of success. No, like it hasn't worked super well. It's not like a well oiled machine where they could just bring it to the big leagues next year and it would you know, pop off and everyone would be excited if they brought it to the big leagues next year with all of the kinks that they still have to work out. Everyone would hate it. Maybe that's what they should do. Bring it in. Like the NFL, you give them an intro. Bring it in. Like the NFL did with the uh, pass interference where you could challenge the pass interference and it was so bad and it would be, it would be so terribly run that it would be out in a year and you never have to talk about it again. Do you think, and people out there, that technology is not going to fail you? They are already using Pitchcom, so the catcher wears a little wrist pad and he puts button, he presses buttons, and it goes to the catcher's ear of what their pitch is going to be. That's already failed the Milwaukee Brewers three games into the season, four games into the season. And if I heard correctly, Pitchcom. normally we just have the radio on in the office just to make sure everything's working correctly. Yeah. I do believe, was it on Friday? Where Thursday or Friday, where the Bill Michaels show had uh, Brandon Woodruff on? Yeah, what he was, and on. he even said, eh, "I don't really like those things." I, if I heard him correctly, he didn't like them, and he was getting away from them. Yeah, Pitchcom is already failing. Look at replay that they've uh, brought into baseball full front. They still get calls wrong constantly, and they have so much technology and cameras around, they still can't get the right calls. Yeah, I mean, you have Terry King of the North who called in about. Was it the very first or second game of the season with a call where yeah, with from a, one angle it looks like he's safe, from another angle it looks like he's out, and they ended up staying with the call on the field saying he was out? Hell, Terry fell off, fell out, fell down the stairs after that call. Yeah, he was like a weeble wobble, but he fell down. But like, which is, weeble seen, wobbles don't do. I've seen terrible calls like for forever, even since they incorporated replay, where it's like. Well, he was clearly safe, Mm -hmm. and you can see it, but you're still saying he's out. Or how many times was it in 2018, I think it was, where the Brewers came out of nowhere when they signed Lorenzo Cain, acquired Christian Yelich. Yelich all of a sudden became MVP. They got really good pitching performances out of Wade Miley and Jaleese Chassin, and all of a sudden they were in the uh, NLCS against the the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Remember that year where they... We're like twenty percent in challenges. We're like <laughs> the, the bot, like bottom. The major league average was like forty eight percent, which makes sense. You know, you challenge a close play, you're probably roughly fifty fifty, right? Yep. They were like twenty percent, like the worst the team worst. in baseball. How? How is is Craig Council of the Milwaukee Brewers like replay guy that bad? Because if he was, I hope he doesn't have a job <laughs> in two thousand nineteen. But that's the thing; he wasn't. There were clearly plays where it was like, okay, he's he's totally beat that by half a step. They replay it; he was still out. I know, and they still got it wrong. We just had a news of the weird last week or two weeks ago about a Tesla, a self-driving car. The freaking thing got stuck at 83 miles per hour. The poor guy couldn't use any of his controls in the car. He had to slam on his brake somehow after freaking out going 83, stuck on 83 miles per hour. That's technology failing you. I can't even make a call on my cell phone from the break room. 
Now technology you can, fails. Now you can argue that technology did not fail when it comes to replay, but the human element of maybe having too much ego or pride and not wanting to change the call or you know potentially say that you're you're kind of showing up the refs yeah. or the umpires that could come into it. But if if you're going to do that, why would you even have replay? Because if they were right, they were right. If they were wrong, they were wrong. You were never going to show up the umpires. Yes. Oh, so soccer rowdy. They are using called goal line technology. They have a microchip in the ball, and they judge if a ball crosses, you know, the goal line, i.e., for a goal or something. They that technology fails too. They've already had controversy over it in the English Premier League. But I'm with Harper, and this is why I'm with Harper. Yes, I like the human element. Same. I think that if you're not going to use replay correctly. As in, it's clearly out or safe, and you still stick with the incorrect call after everyone and their grandma who's got, like, Coke bottle glasses (laughs) and bifocals and everything under the sun can still tell that they're out or safe. Mm -hmm. What's the point? But also, this is one, you mentioned it earlier, but I agree with it, and it's, this has limited the manager player blowups on umpires. And you know what? Sometimes you just need a good blow up to move on. Oh my God. Yeah. You just got to get out of your system. I need like, that's why Ben nominated Joe Girardi for D bag of the week. If Girardi would have came out there and this is something that's totally been robbed with technology, the manager ump dust up or the player ump dust up. When the manager gets out there, he starts bumping chest, their nose to nose spits flying. There's like, they're poking each other in, you know, in the, in the chest pad or something. And maybe like Lou Pinella runs out and steals a base and runs away. That's incredible. Well, I guarantee Technology you. Technology has robbed that. I guarantee us. you that if, if they started allowing or managers started doing that again, major league baseball would be in a tizzy because of, pace of game. They'd say, oh, well, yeah. you can't have a manager go out there and take up 15 minutes. But send them out there and get them just bumping into the up. Just bumping, but chest bumping. Fans would be more entertained by a 10-minute blow-up. Oh, I'd be hooting on the hoo Jerry Springer. If a game went three hours and Major League Baseball was like, all giddy because they got it done in less than three and a half hours, Yeah, but it went 310 because you had a manager blow-up, I would be willing to say and go out on a limb that fans of baseball would be more entertained with a three minute or a three hour, 10 minute uh, game in which there was a manager blow up yeah. than a three hour game in, in which they're like, Oh, it got done a little early. Yeah. Give three hours or three hours and 10 minutes. I get to see a nice Donnie Brook possibly. Hell yeah. Sign me up, throw down the fisticuffs and let's go. If you want robo umps, you only, lo- you only, Maybe find joy in missionary style, missionary sex. You just go through the motions. You don't well, like the art of lovemaking. It does take it away because now it's like you're like in the mm. when the manager goes out and Sorry. challenges. I'll now stand by that. they technically, I they don't really have the replays to themselves. They were right there on the field, but they got people like back in the clubhouse that are telling them to challenge or like because you know they go to their phones. Mm-hmm. Well, it does kind of take it away a little bit because. When you go and challenge and then the umpires say that they went to New York and they looked at it from eight different angles and they said, you know what? He's safe. Then the manager just at that point in time, for the most part, probably just goes out on a, 
on a limb and like, okay, well, he must have been safe. They looked at it how many different times? <laughs> now, yeah, there's those few that'll come up where it's like, okay, what the hell? But most of the time they, they don't because supposedly the replay was correct. You know what I mean? That's so yeah. they're not so they, they're not upset upset. Yeah. Yeah. But like the Joe Girardi thing, because we mentioned him, we threw Ben nominated him for D bag. I second it. Yes, I third it. Scared was the fact that he couldn't come out and show hardly any emotion, even after Schwarber got thrown. When are you soft. ever? When are you soft. ever going to? Soft, soft, never. He'll never do it. He's soft. His analytic scorecard, Rowdy, his his little binder didn't said the analytics didn't work out for him to have a dust up. All right. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. <laughs> By the way, I have a Twitter pull up at Zone Madison. Do you want Robo Umps in Major League Baseball? Yay or nay? Let's go to the phones. Good morning. Who do I got? Line one. I just want to have sex. <laughs> I, mean, I'll go I, mean, I mean, if you just want to go missionary, okay. <laughs> no, I'm not down for Robo you like Umps. Ster- but- you like it sterile, safe, meaningless. When I like to have the passion of lovemaking, dude, get up there and reverse cowgirl. Like, let's go. I mean, if I'm just going to have meaningless sex and then maybe eventually down the road I'll have, like, sex that means something, but I just want to And this is all hypotheticals, first. by the way. This is all this robo-umps or no. So, Z in the knee, no to robo-umps or yes to robo-umps? No to robo-umps. My man. I mean, no to robo-umps, no to robo-sex dolls. Yeah, no, we like the human element. Uh, we do not want Skynet so, become self-aware. No, so this is, like, I've always had a thing, like, Angel Hernandez, he's not respected among his peers. He's always in, the, like, the least <laughs> bottom ten. No one likes him, but he can't, they can't get him out of the league because he's protected by certain entities, his umpires, uh, union, and stuff like that. What, and there's going to eventually be, um, you know, how the MLB had their union deal well, the umpire is going to have their union deal come up at some point. What they need to do is make some adjustments here where, where like, the MLB has players going back and forth between the minor leagues. What should happen is at the end of the year, uh, if you're voted, like, at least 10% of among your peers, you get demoted to minor league baseball. Um, the minor league, like, we don't want this guy. Angel, we don't want him. Well, he's got to go somewhere, and he's got to stay somewhere. Yeah, to the unemployment baseball. line. Well, they, they tried that, and it didn't work. <laughs> they actually, MLB got sued for that. I mean, they have a class action lawsuit against him because he wasn't getting... No, that, that lawsuit was thrown out. He lost that lawsuit. Well, he's going to get one down the road again. You know it is. It's going to happen. We'll see. He stinks. It, it, it's just, it's always a rotation with him. I mean, so, I mean, they should have a, a system where umpires go down, umpires come up. Like, if you're like... Oh, this umpire in the minor league system is doing a great job. He's voted amongst one of the best in the minor league system. He comes up. This guy's doing the worst in the major leagues. He goes, he goes down. down. And, I mean, it's just that simple. And then the one thing I would also wouldn't mind, I know it slowed down the game a little bit. You know, like in tennis where they have the review process that's in or out? Yeah. I wouldn't mind that if you get, like, three calls where you're like, all right, was this in the zone? And it, they show a little diagram. Yeah, but they don't want to do that because it's going to take a while. It's going to add to the pace. Or add to the it, pace of play. It's okay. It's how it's going to take a minute and a half max. Not even. Well, I mean, already, the pitch clock that they're going to introduce that only saves like what, Rowdy? Like three minutes from a game? I think it was like ten. Ten? Oh, okay, a little more than I thought. So I mean, if you give them each team two, three of them, 
and they actually do it all three times. You take back the 10 minutes, so I guess you're back to the formality. So, but, I mean, at least at that point, you have the team that can use it if they want to. If they don't use it, they lose it. And Yeah, same as using it in the D. If you don't use it, you lose it. That's what I heard. So and, where your, and your I phone call started and, here. And I haven't used it in a long time. Well, you know, maybe a, maybe a RoboWump can satisfy that for you. I don't know. I know. So, I mean, there's just certain things that they could do better, and there's certain things that they can. Well, Z, so, we, we but, love you, bro. We really love you, brother. And good, and good luck. Good luck. Oh, I have, hey, by the way, you're you're a Monks guy, like the, the restaurant bar Monks, right? Yeah. Here's another reason why I don't want RoboWump. So I'm at Monks the other day in Sun Prairie, beautiful Sun Prairie. Love me some Monks. Great patio. And, uh, like, you know, I, I got some fries, and sometimes with my fries I'd like some ranch. And I see this yeah. little robot. Like a little R two D two, but a little taller, wheeling around delivering people food and stuff. And I really wanted some ranch because I didn't forget. Little Robo didn't you know deliver my ranch. So I'm looking at this little robot thing after giving my fries, and I'm like, hey, can I get some ranch? You know what the thing did? Nothing. It just turned and wheeled away. (laughs) Nothing. It didn't. It didn't take my ranch. How is this Robo umps or Robo butlers or Robo waiters going to do anything good? Nothing. Okay. I'll weigh, in on this quick. I'll weigh in on this quick. Okay, so I worked at the Monks Downtown Dells. The first one, the original, has been around for 75 years. They actually just celebrated their 75-year anniversary on Friday. Hey, I'm going to so be in the Dells I, this weekend, by the way, my brother's bachelor party. Oh, my Friday God. night, Saturday night. You tell the, you'd get a babysitter for the kid. Come on down and celebrate. I'm going to try to now. We'll, uh, take that, we'll take that robot out of Monks and party with it. We'll see that. Okay, so the downtown one doesn't, Dells doesn't have one. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Lake Dell location doesn't have one. So there's multiple owners. Like, Monks is now a franchise. Yeah, so yeah. Like, the guy that owns the Sun Prairie one also owns the Milton one. Well, and tell him the program that robot one. to give me some ranch. Well, it just I feel like that goes against Monks' standards. That's just horrible right there. Well, I thought Where, the customer was always right. The cust- no, I'm saying the, having the robot is just horrible in a general. Everyone's like, everyone, everyone watches it. Like, good thing they don't have feelings. Everyone watches it like it's a freak. I know. I mean, that's just horrible. I, I'll have to talk to my old boss about that. Yeah, I you tell him the program that they gave me that. ranch, okay? Okay. All right, see you, buddy. Later. See ya. The only thing that I'm actually pro-robot for, because I absolutely hate it, and I've seen them more and more in people's homes, is the cleaning robot. Like the DJ Roomba? The Roomba? <laughs> if it actually works. The one that just kind of... Yeah, I'm talking about if if they came up with a robot, more of like the Rocky... What was that? No, Rocky. that robot was kind of cool. Rocky Four. Yeah. Where With, Polly got the, ro- the yeah, robot. He got the robot. Yeah. If that thing was that big and it could like dust and clean and vacuum for you, I'd be all for it. Okay, the the robot in Rocky is a little different. That Rocky's pretty cool. Yeah, that I robot's get it. pretty cool. But you know what I'm saying? Like that's the only thing because no one likes doing that. No, 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 no. But to bring you to bring you ranch. All I wanted was ranch. If I wanted ranch that bad, though, I'm getting off my ass and getting it. Well, where's I gonna get it from? Walk back in the kitchen. Yeah, you make <laughs> your presence known. <laughs> there you go, dude. How sick of this would it be? The robot played this music when I came in the room, though. What is this? <laughs> your present. Yo, I wanted a sports car for my birthday. Not no walking trash can. Come on, he looks great here. He's extremely psycho, Rocco. <laughs> extremely psycho, Rocco. Like yeah, pretend you're happy. Well, you'll keep her company when you're all alone. See, this Paulie got the first edition ever of a sex robot. It's creepy. That talks, that thing. Creepy. <laughs> this is the greatest. I wish I had one of these when I was growing up. Come on, make a wish, like he says. 
I wish I wasn't in this nightmare. <laughs> Very classy wish. Very nice. What do you think there? This probably pretty favorite, cool. My favorite thing about that entire like scene, and I guess you would say movie, when it comes to the robot and Polly, is the fact that he absolutely hates it when Rocky first gives it to him, and then I believe it's Apollo Creed that comes into the house and he's like, "What the hell is that?" And he goes, "Hey, that's my girl." <laughs> Here you go. Here you go. What's that? That's my girl. <laughs> Look at her. Thanks, honey. You're welcome. Ooh, and he, nice uh, notice how Polly changed. Favorite. You're the greatest. See you, sport. Notice how Polly would get over the sexy voice afterwards. Polly, my man. Uh, Polly, by the way, not the our great caller, Marinette, but Polly in Rocky, he hates every gift. That Rocky gives him. Rocky gives him watches, hates it. Rocky gives him cars, hates it. Rocky gives him a robot, hates it. Is he not the worst character in all of Rocky? I think you could argue he's the best character in all of Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. No to robot umps. No to robo umps. I'm looking at the Twitter poll right now, Rowdy, and I kid you not, robo umps, yes, is leading the way. Yes, in Major League Baseball. Gross. I haven't voted yet, so I got to go vote. 61%. 61% saying yes. We want robo umps in baseball. What is wrong with you? We are just a couple days away. It's this Thursday. Viva Las Vegas, the NFL draft. You've been uh, going position by position, breaking it down since last week. I think you're saving wide receivers for yeah, Thursday. Thursday, just because I think all of us Green Bay Packer fans have our fingers crossed that they're finally going to draft a receiver in the first round. One can hope and one can wish. We've been saying that since 2002. But, Rody, what do you got today for the end? Yeah, going to look at draft. the defensive line and or edge rushers here today. Now, the, if you look at defensive tackle D-line, Jordan Davis was the guy that wowed everyone, right? It was the huge guy that's like, what, 6'6", 350-ish pounds Mm -hmm. that was running the crazy 40 time. Huge body, lots of strength. I doubt he'll be available for for the Packers. Actually, not the biggest fan of Jordan Davis, to be completely honest. He was a guy that he had weight issues in college, and you know in college it's a lot more structured than it is in the NFL. Yeah, there's some talent there, but... He's kind of been a I'll play when I want to guy. I'll keep my weight in check when I want to. That just makes me nervous. I hope he's not even available for the Packers (laughs) to even think about drafting. Don't even think about it. And then Devontae Wyatt's the other one that's probably going to go before the Packers ever have a draft pick. I know a lot of people really like Wyatt, but there has been some stuff surfacing on him with the fact that he's, did you know he's only two years younger than Kenny Clark? Kenny Clark. Well, Kenny Clark was really young coming out. I know he was 20, but Kenny Clark is a guy that's been in the NFL for some time now. He already signed his big contract. Devontae Wyatt was a guy that played at Georgia and played out his eligibility. He's been there for a while. He's a little older. Yeah, he's pretty good, but he didn't start hitting that, that really true uh, prime time Devontae Wyatt until he started getting older, especially for the, for the college football I would steer clear of both of them. Well, the ones that I start to get into that I like on the defensive line, Travis Jones out of Connecticut. The guy's huge. He played on a terrible team in Connecticut. He's got length, strength, 
and basically was a one-man line in college. Extremely raw, but if you're going to take a defensive lineman to help you, give me some guy that's really raw with a lot of ability. That was one of them. He's a, a late first, early second round projection. Another guy that I thought looked pretty solid, especially if, if you're uh, not necessarily wanting to take anyone in that first round, but Fedarian Mathis out of Alabama. This is a mountain of a man. Ooh, a mountain Huge. man? He is, he is a run plugger. The guy's massive. Played at Alabama. You know that's a good defensive line. He's a projected second, third rounder. And then pretty much a spitting image of Mathis. You have Neil Farrell, who's just a mountain of a man coming out Another of LSU. I mean, these are the, the extremely stout nose tackles that breed out of the SEC. And I feel like these type of guys come out almost every year, whether it's from LSU or Alabama. Mountain men. But yeah, mountain. he's projected in the fourth round. And then this one, I almost guarantee I'm going to butcher his name. But Iuma Iwarzarike, I think that's how you say it, out of Iowa State. That's another guy's versatile. He's played all over on the line, whether it's tackle or end. He's somebody that he needs to improve his technique, but he's kind of got that raw power and strength. That's a guy to take a flyer on maybe in the fifth round. And then the last couple that I liked on the inside defensive line, Jaden Peavy out of Texas A&M. This is like an extremely big time traits guy. Yeah. He's got the strength. He's got the power. He's got the hands, whatever, but it hasn't consistently shown up on tape. And in 2021, they said he gained weight and looked a lot slower and that's never a good sign. It's kind of the same thing of where I was turned off a little bit on Jordan Davis because dude, if you can't keep your weight check in college where you have people bugging you every single day, Imagine yeah, being own. alone on your own time in the NFL, yeah. but we got a lot of money so you can go eat a lot of food worth a shot in the sixth round. Cause that's where they're, they're currently valuing him, especially for a traits guy. And then the last one, remember the Ohio state defensive lineman that got shot in the face. Yes. Him Haskell Garrett. I mean, this is Tough. a guy really good football IQ is what they're saying. Good hands does has shorter arms and can get pushed around, but just a, a high IQ football player guy that probably sticks. I mean, it's a sixth, seventh round flyer, so it's not like you're giving up a ton. Well, you know he's got some toughness to him, Rowdy. Yeah, yeah, especially when he gets shot through the face. Yeah, just once. 50 Cent got shot like seven or eight times in the face. And now the the second group here that I'm going to look at is the edge rusher. So like your Zadarius Smiths of the world, your Rashawn Garys of the world. Now, clearly there are some good players that I've seen their names being floated out that are good players, but I don't necessarily know if they're real scheme fits for the green Bay Packers who run that three, four, Mm -hmm. like one name that I like the player. If, if he actually did fit or they really truly thought that they could make him a three, four outside linebacker, kind of like the Rashawn Gary of the world, George Karloftis out of Purdue. I know I've seen some Packer beat writers mentioning him. Yeah. Hell of a player. I mean, dude's explosive plays with a motor had struggled a little bit against the run. I'm just not sure. Kind of like the Rashawn Gary, if he's fit for this system, he might probably like Rashawn Gary. Most people thought might be better in that four, three playing defensive end. Yeah. But if they're going to take a guy, maybe if you think you can convert him into a true three, four outside linebacker, that's a guy that's probably going to be there in the late first round. Uh, Jermaine Johnson out of Florida state, extremely raw, just started playing football like a handful of years ago. He'll probably go a little bit earlier, might not be on the board for the Badgers. Um, Nick 
Benito out of Oklahoma. Actually, I really like him. Benito. Currently projected second, third round, super athletic, has a lot of pass rushing tools. Not great against the run and also a little undersized, but let, once you get in that second, third round, you're starting to, sure. you don't have the prime, you know, cream of the crop where everyone can do everything. And then in the, the third round, I actually really liked uh, Dominic Robinson. Uh, he was out of Miami of Ohio. Super, super raw kid. Only played the position for one season, plus speed and athleticism. Needs more, uh, you know, tools in his in his tool belt, yeah. you would say. But, I mean, for playing one year at the position and being an absolute beast at Miami of Ohio, I mean, just look at the room to grow for this guy. He's currently projected in the third round. Another third rounder that I actually mentioned his brother when we were talking offensive line was Cam Thomas out of San Diego State. Another guy newer to the position. They moved him there from uh, offensive line plus speed athleticism, but he needs better you know, technique. But he is a guy that completely, completely has the drive to be pretty good. Not necessarily sure if he'd be a good fit, though, just because he seems to be more of that uh, four three defensive end. He's also projected in the late third round. And then the, the last couple that I looked up for edge rusher, Christopher Allen. This is a guy coming out of uh, Alabama injuries really plagued him, but one, the dude has absolute traits for the NFL, extremely athletic. And now when you're looking at uh, outside edge rushers, they have to be athletic these days. Look at why, look at how Goody, he went goo goo gaga over Rashawn Gary's combine. Would you say he's good uh, uh, north and south and east and west? Head on a swivel, high energy, well, big motor. First he, one in, last one out. The guy, see, the thing is, he was super raw. He was super raw at Alabama and didn't necessarily play up to his potential at Bama, but he had two season ending surgeries mm. where he, he was out he's a with fighter. Yeah, he was out with injuries, not necessarily being healthy every year, but when he was on the field, physical specimen and I mean worth a fourth round flyer especially because you know the guy that you're going to draft for this position most likely isn't going to come in and play you signed Preston Smith to an extension yeah. you signed Rashawn Gary Sean Gary's on the come up and those are the two guys that you probably are going to expect to be your starters unless somehow somebody just wows you and fell into your lap but wow. the last guy I had was uh, Amari Barno uh, this is another guy out of I believe Va Tech Barno who Dude showed flashes, had a ton of traits in college, showed flashes of being really good, and then times of like, is he even trying out there? Inconsistent motor, but he was productive. He can play special teams, and he's got the traits to be an NFL player because he does have the size, the speed, the length, also projected in the late fourth round. So that kind of sums up our defensive line and outside linebackers that I would be interested in for the Green Bay Packers. Again, well done, I don't Rudy. know if I necessarily see Green Bay going defensive line or outside linebacker right now. For me, when you look at those two positions, like I just said with the Gary and the Smith, you kind of have your two starters. You're, you're more or less looking for death behind death, them for sure. Cause like Jonathan Garvin shown flashes, but do you really want him being your number three at outside linebacker? You you feel really good when he's your number four. Yeah, you want depth there, and you want guys that you know rise up to the occasion. And D line, do you really feel like you should use a first round pick on somebody, especially if the top two guys in the draft are gone and say yeah. the Green Bay's in love with them? When you sign Jaron 
uh, Jaron Reed. Yeah. And, and that's a guy that's played on the defensive line. He's eaten up, can also, eaten up blocks, can also rush the passer a little bit. And you have Kenny Clark there. You have Dean Lowry again for another season. Do you necessarily want to spend? Let's not forget, Slayton showed, Tredaryl, a.k.a. TJ Slayton, showed flashes last year mm-hmm. when he played. Do you necessarily want to add and use a high draft pick for both those positions where you're already decently solid? You just need depth. Yeah. I don't think they do. But if like a if they're in love with George Karloftis and he's still there, I could see him doing it. Would I be happy as a fan? Not really, because I think we all are like, dude, receiver, finally, 2002, let's go. Yeah. All right, so the NFL Draft Thursday, Viva Las Vegas, my friends.